Hello everyone, welcome back to my podcast, Pieces of Me. I'm Brenna, and I just wanted to say something about my last episode. Um, I talked about my anxiety, um, and ironically, I had a bit of anxiety in that episode. Um, so, it's I just wanted to let you guys know that because I'm a little I was a little rambly in my last episode, um, and I was kind of in the car. I was kind of a weird place. I was kind of a little disorganized. Um, so, um, that, just wanted to let you guys know that, but the quote of the day is, when you can't find the sunshine, be the sunshine, and the person who said that quote is unknown, I think that this quote, um, is a very simple quote, but it can, um, be really empowering, you know, when you, when you're having a hard time and you can't find the sunshine, it's just cloudy, in your life, maybe literally, um, <laughs> be the sunshine, be that light in your life for other people and for yourself. Um, so yeah. Hello everyone. So today um, we're going to be talking about my anxiety journey and I have a special guest again today my lovely mother hello yep so she was on I did a Q&A with her a couple episodes ago but she's back today to um help describe my anxiety journey because a lot of it I don't remember and um especially in the early stages and uh so yeah she's kind of here to help us well help me tell the story and see her um perspective so Let's get started. Okay. Um, so before we knew it was anxiety or and like before you really thought about that and really <laughs> really figured that out, what symptoms and um, how did my anxiety express itself in the early stages, do you think? So I'm going to be honest. I actually didn't know a lot about anxiety at all. Um, I didn't realize that I had anxiety and I didn't have any inkling or even put it together that it's something that my children would potentially (laughs) like. So I was kind of starting from scratch with just, um, you know, where my knowledge base was. Yeah. Um, we started noticing when you were little, like Mm -hmm. four ish I want to say um so that was about two years after your divorce yeah it might have been even sooner than that um but you really started having a hard time when it was time to go um on visits with your dad's house Mm -hmm. and it was really hard to know because honestly at the time I you know I'm thinking hey this it's just a normal kid thing. Like if I was a little person and I didn't really understand all of the bits and pieces of it, I probably would be upset or worried or, you know, so I didn't really attribute that. And it may have been. Yeah. It may definitely a combination. (laughs) Um, But at that point it it got so bad that we decided to take you to a therapist and, 
And she just kind of explained that, you know, you are experiencing anxiety, but you weren't really diagnosed at that time. Yeah, it was just kind of like, yeah, it's normal to kind of have anxiety mm-hmm. at this time. She's going through a rough time. A lot of people experience anxiety without having some sort of anxiety disorder. Right. Um, like, I, I'm pretty sure I said that in my last um, episode. And you definitely can have anxiety and also have a disorder, but a lot of times, like, you can't know for sure. Right. A lot of times it's very situational. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it didn't really, I mean, it, it, what it did was put it on my radar as just something to kind of like watch for. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I would say probably about third, second and third grade, you started, um, coming to me with these, like, I can't breathe, mom. I can't breathe, yeah. especially at bedtime. And I'd be like, what do you mean you can't breathe? Like, that's... Yeah, yeah, that's not a statement that I, of course, was going to take lightly. And and you just kept describing to me, like, I don't know, like, my my nose is fuzzy and my chest is, like, fuzzy. And I just felt like I can't breathe. And I was like, ah, okay. (laughs) So... So I just figured you maybe had a cold, some allergies. Like, I really didn't put it together. Then you started, um, <clears throat> at nighttime especially, you'd be worried about bad guys. Like, yeah. everything with you is worst case scenario. Mom, are there bad guys in the neighborhood? Well, there's probably some people that are, you know, not g- good guys, but... We're safe. I mean, yeah. we're safe. All the doors are locked. All the windows are closed. I'm right here. You know, all those things. And and just, like, the, the common sense part <laughs> of... <clears throat> the common sense part that takes over when you start feeling anxious thoughts. A normal person whose brain is not functioning with high anxiety, right? Yeah. Is going to go, okay, well, the likelihood of that happening is pretty slim and so I can let that thought go Mm -hmm. and you just could not let that thought go I would be honestly like I remember I'd be afraid to like sleep next to any windows because I'm like okay Uh a bad guy's gonna come out of this window when I'm sleeping jump on top of me and kill me like like literally like that's my that's my thinking like I would not yeah. sleep next to a window because I'm like uh no <laughs> you know and it wasn't like oh there's a bad guy under my bed it was like someone's gonna break in and kill me and I'm gonna like not break in and steal something break in and kill me right death and de- the, you know yeah, like the, the whole worst <laughs> case scenario every time yeah. <clears throat> and we lived in a safe neighborhood yeah. it's not like there was any threat at all yeah. Um, but that's kind of what I think anxiety does. It takes a normal worry thought. Like it's normal for kids to think those things, especially yeah. if maybe they've watched the news or they've heard of, you know, something or watched a movie that had a bad guy. It's kind of normal for kids to kind of yeah. process that. Um, but, and I've noticed that for a lot of anxiety, it just, it starts with one worry thought that is a little out there. And with it, people with anxious brains, they take that worry thought and go into like, it explodes into like the worst possible case scenario, and my, you can't let it go. <laughs> I catch myself; it's the most ridiculous thing. Worrying about worrying, yes. <laughs> like I worry about <clears throat> that. My worrying, my uh-huh. yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, and then I would notice things like. Um, I had a bin, like a basket for all your shoes because I just, we could not keep them organized, yeah. <laughs> right? You were little. And so I'm like, okay, throw all your shoes in this bin so at least they're in the same place. We know where they are. 
I remember coming into your room one time and you had taken all the shoes out of the bin and lined them up perfectly, like in pairs, in perfect lines, even number in each line um, at the bottom of your bunk bed. And I came in to tuck you in or do something and I grabbed all the shoes and just tossed them in the bin because that's where I was like, let's just put them in there. That's where they belong. You were so mad. Mom, I had those just right. Why did so you kind of showed it started showing these little like OCD-ish kind of yeah. tendencies? Like there were certain things that it just had to be right. Otherwise you could not handle it. Yeah. And so that kind of worried me because I'm You're like, like uh. okay, I don't know much about anxiety, but you know, there's there's stuff out there about OCD. Yeah. Because it's a little more unusual, I think. Yeah. And obvious in some ways. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was like, oh, okay. Like, uh. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't, I couldn't quite understand. Yeah. <laughs> what was all going on? That, But that's kind of how it started. Same thing, like, when it was time to do homework, you couldn't sit still. You had to have noise. You could not sit in silence mm-hmm. and focus on anything. Um, I would have to be kind of like. You'd have to be dancing and singing yeah. at the table <laughs> and, like, standing up. And, yeah, you really couldn't handle just being alone with your own self your own thoughts yeah (laughs) and I just thought again we just kind of thought well it must be some kind of ADD yeah again that's something that's a little more I don't want to say unusual but more talked or was more talked about as a as a usual kid kind of disorder yeah and um so yeah and then I then we started asking you questions about your brain like well tell me how it's thinking tell me about what you hear how does it feel and and so when you would say things like you've talked about in your other podcasts about a a million different lanes going a million different ways and and that it was and I just thought oh it's for sure ADHD so that's how that's how we kind of got started on that thought process um so how was I diagnosed we just kind of I remember we just kind of went to the my, the family doctor, like, just at the doctor's clinic or whatever. Yep. We went to the family doctor, and I said, here's what's going on. And and he started asking me questions about school. And he said, well, are the teachers complaining that she's not focusing well at school, that she's being disruptive, that she's, you know, mm-hmm. her behavior is um, not appropriate? And I said, no, I haven't heard a thing from yeah. the teachers. And so... He had us send a survey to the teachers and um, do a ADD survey um, for ourselves, and they both came back with that it didn't yeah. match. The diagnosis didn't match. Yeah. Um, and he explained to us that a lot of times in kids, mm-hmm. that anxiety manifests as ADD symptoms. So a lot of yeah. people think that they're just hyper or that they're yeah. just they, that they might have ADD mm-hmm. um but it's it's actually anxiety so he started you on some like antidepressants yeah I'm not 100% sure I understand the logic other than um it did quiet your brain down a little bit but I remember also that first prescription we got just kind of made me feel dead inside <laughs> like yeah I couldn't feel happy I couldn't feel sad I couldn't feel like any you know highs or lows mm-hmm. it was just kind of like I was always just kind of one one line yeah. just one feeling and that was hard because I was like mm. <laughs> I've been on those medicines before and I don't like it either it's yeah you just don't feel happy you don't feel anything yeah 
uh, you didn't like that, but you liked the little bit of calm that yeah, it yeah. gave you. It was kind of like, I like this, but I didn't like this. Right. And, you know. Then that doctor moved away and we were assigned a new one in the clinic. And she wasn't comfortable prescribing medication mm-hmm. for that for a child so young. So she sent us to a psychiatric nur- nurse practitioner. Yeah. And this was around when I was about seven-ish, right? Seven, eight, maybe? Mm-hmm. I was about third grade. Third and maybe fourth third grade. Third fourth grade, yeah. Uh, I think we did that for about a year. And then... Um, yeah, then we started seeing the psychiatric nurse practitioner. He was an interesting fellow. <laughs> he, had, he had some unique ideas about things. And at the at the time, of course, not knowing any better, like we just, we just kind of went with it. it. And and we were experiencing some relief. So things we tried with him were, do you remember? Oh, yeah, we tried like, tried this weird um machine theme of popper it was like you clipped these little cord thingies onto your ears and then it connected to this little machine and it sent like waves of something into your brain uh-huh. or something yeah you'd like press i don't yeah it was it was kind of weird but i forget what the device is called but it i want to say an esd or something like that but i could be all wrong um, it was, and yeah. it was a, so it was a little machine that sent alpha and beta waves through the cords that were attached to the electrodes that we clipped on your ears. And the idea was that it would send this mild electrical pulse <clears throat> through your brain and interrupt some of those anxiety patterns and that it would kind of help train your brain to relax. Yeah. So we did that. Um, and there were times when you experienced a lot of relief from that, I think. Yeah. Um, but it was not sustainable. Like, yeah. it, it didn't make enough of a difference where we were like, let's do this forever. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it was like, you had to sit there with it on. It's not like mm-hmm. you could really like. Yeah. It wasn't as convenient as. And it was tricky sometimes yeah. to get a good connection. Yeah. I remember we'd ears. have to do all this stuff to like kind of get it yeah. to work and. I mean, it was it was a good option, but it wasn't, like, perfect for us. I think it was a good tool to put in the tool belt of thing options when yeah. you're desperate. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wouldn't say, I didn't think it was a great, like, permanent solution for every day. But if you truly had anxiety that was super paralyzing or other conditions that mm-hmm. it, it's supposed to help with, um, I could see where it would be a useful tool, especially yeah. in a crisis situation, because you did experience some calming yeah. from it. So I don't want to discount it as a useful tool. It just wasn't like the go-to for us. Yeah. Um, but we gave it a good try. I'd say we did that for a good six months or so. Oh, yeah, we, we did that for a while. You got your first weighted blanket during that time. Yes, yes. You really liked your weighted blanket. Um, what else? Uh, he switched your medication to a few supplements and different things got you off the de- antidepressant. So you yeah. were feeling more things again. Yeah. Um, just yeah. kind of, so that was kind of the next, the next step. Yeah. And he, and I'm, he's the one that diagnosed you with the, the disorder, the, yeah. Um, general, general anxiety, anxiety disorder. disorder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because that's his specialty. That was his. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Psychiatric. Psychiatric. So he knew a little bit more about it than like the family doctor, you know. Yeah. It was, he could kind of pinpoint it better, which was really helpful um, 
to just kind of finally have that diagnosed and kind of put a name to the feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Just kind of put in, figuring it out. And the other thing I really appreciated about him was that he did take a lot of time to discuss and educate. So most of our visits, if I remember correctly, was him just educating me. And so I learned a lot from him about the genetics of it all. To help me. Uh-huh, yeah. About what's going on in the brain when those things are happening. Yeah. Um, so that was really helpful. Um, I didn't, I, I felt like sometimes he kind of talked a little bit over you. And so. Not to me, yeah. So I had to do a lot of translating as far as like, this is what this means in like kid terms. Like yeah. He, he wasn't super great at gearing it towards kids so Mm -hmm. I guess if I were to say anybody out there who is struggling and you know I'd say skip your general practitioner maybe get a referral or a you know suggestion of a psychiatric provider and I feel like if you also are a kid find a kid nurse Mm-hmm. That kind of specializes in kids because that's what I have right now. Like she specializes in like kids and teens. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and so that's been kind of more helpful because she kind of knows more about certain medicines that work better with kids right. and certain, um, you know, things like that where it just a general psyche. What is it? Uh, well, your general whatever. practitioner, your family doctor, or your pediatrician, whoever it is that you know you see as a yeah. as a kid or teen, they they know a little bit about it. But going yeah. to the specialist, they they are going to have a more of a wealth of information. Their mm-hmm. comfort level at trying different things is going to be different. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, but they, you know, the general, the family doctor and the psychiatric nurse practitioner, they work together. So, yeah. Um, that's good too, but I, I would say it, it was, helpful. it was helpful. Yeah. yeah it yeah. was really helpful. Cause I was just clueless. Like, ah, I don't know. Okay. And I started to recognize like, Oh, I kind of have these same. Yeah. <laughs> huh. <laughs> Look Wait at that. A <laughs> yep. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I remember a lot of times it was hard learning how to deal with it on like a daily basis in like school, my social life. Like, how do you think that it affected, impacted those things? Because I, cause I remember a lot of times, like, it was hard kind of being, I had a hard time making friends a lot of time before, mm-hmm. especially before I had my medicine to kind of help me. Um, and even when I was trying to figure out my medicine, just all kind of through grade school, you know, like uh-huh. elementary school. That's true. Um, I would I would just be kind of all over the place, you know. Friends and people didn't like that, you know. They wouldn't. They're they're like chill, you know, or you know, just they didn't. They found me annoying, or you know, uh-huh. and, and so that it was harder to make friends during the, that time. And I was figuring that out because I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Something must be wrong with me. I must be like. You know. <laughs> so by nature, you just have a big personality anyway. I yeah. mean, you just have a big personality. I do too, so I get yeah. it. Um, but having a big personality and no filter or... Exactly. Um, with anxiety. With anxiety, yeah. Made so, it. <laughs> so the anxiety made it so that you had a hard time filtering your thoughts. So you were very impulsive. Mm-hmm. You would speak before thinking it through you had a hard time paying attention to social cues. So like if other kids were 
backing up from you because you were kind of in their personal space or in their face or being very loud and there was something (laughs) they didn't like and they would back up or kind of distance themselves from you, you wouldn't pick up on that cue. Yeah. And you'd continue to follow them around and be, like, loud, and they were like, ah, I'm trying to get away. Like, Yeah, um, yeah. So you, you struggle with that, which is just hard. Um, And I think it really... Because then I was confused. Like, what's... Uh-huh. Right, because they wanted to be your friend and spend time with you when you were not yeah. amped up and your anxiety wasn't out, you know, off yep. the charts. But then when it would be, it was like you couldn't... You, number one, you couldn't, you didn't have the skills yet. Yeah. You, cu- you didn't have the skills yet. That's the important thing to remember. Yeah. You didn't have the skills yet to temper yourself, to take that minute. You didn't have the tools. Yeah. And number two, you just had a harder time paying attention and processing yeah. kind of the whole big social picture. It was a lot to take in, a lot to process when your brain was already going a bajillion miles a minute. Yep. <laughs> <clears throat> also, I think that it really affected some of your confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, you would regularly say, you know, mom, I'm broken. I don't want to be different because that was one of the things. You're different. Yeah. It's not bad that you have yeah. anxiety. It just makes you different and unique. And we'll find a way to to embrace that yeah. as a beautiful piece of you instead yeah. of this negative thing that it feels like. Yeah. Um, and so it was really hard on your confidence to kind of yeah. experience <laughs> that. And, of course, it broke my heart. Um, but it was just part of the learning process for you. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, additionally, at first, you were not great at taking pills. And you were not great at remembering to take yeah. pills. So I was regularly having to remind you to take your pills. And then at some point when you started getting good at that, yeah, it really hurt your feelings when I would say, I'd notice that you were a little, a little amped hyper, up or yeah. whatever. And I'd say, Brenda, have you taken your pills today? And it would just crush your soul. Like, mom, this is just how I am. I took my pills. And, you know, it was like, I my intent was, of course, not to make yeah. you feel like. And <laughs> it's one of those things <laughs> trying where. Trying to be helpful. <laughs> I know that wasn't your intention because like, you know, when I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm a normally kind of, um, bubbly person when mm-hmm. I describe it to be. And so, um, yes. And sometimes I am way more bubbly and hyper, uh-huh. um, when I don't take my meds, that is for sure. You, you can kind of tell. Um, but once I got really good at taking mm-hmm. them and stuff and, you know, mom would be like, hey, have you taken your meds? I'd be like, well, yeah, I've taken my meds. I just, this is how I am. I'm just, do I have to, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. I, it's kind of a hard thing if you're not, I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe, but. So now I don't ask, generally speaking, because you've built that into your daily routine. Yeah. So I don't have to ask. Sometimes. Yeah. When you forget, I'll notice and maybe say something. But most often you catch yourself yeah. and say, oh, I know why I'm like this today. I a forgot lot. my yeah. meds. And, I- we'll, and we'll say, oh, <laughs> go take them real quick. Yeah, that actually, so. I catch myself when I actually mm-hmm. do forget. I notice it myself. Right. Like, I'll just feel extra anxious. I'll just feel, you know, a certain way. And so I'll be like, kind of like, what is my problem today? Like, what is, you know. Just can't focus. Yeah. And then I think about it, I'm like, what did it see the morning time? Did I, oh, nope. And so I'm like, oh, better go take that real quick. And so that's, that's something I've been able to mm-hmm. figure out on my own, which is interesting. Yeah. 
Well, and my goal in this entire journey of, of anxiety with you has been specifically to help you feel empowered mm-hmm. so that you know what to do, how to handle it. So when I grow, you know, when I leave the house mm-hmm. and stuff and I'm independent, I can not have to like call you all the time like, wow, what should I do? Ah, you know, I can for myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know. and I still... I still expect you to call me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, if you ever need that support, I'm here yeah. for you. What I want is for you to feel like, hey, I've got all this big list of things I can try. And if those don't work, then I'm going to continue. Then I'm going to reach out and say, hmm, what else haven't I tried yet? Yeah. And so that's why I told you in, in your journal to start in the very back or to get a paper or something and start yeah. writing down like these are my anxiety tools and making notes so that, you know, when you are processing it, that you have some a spot you can go to and recall them all. Yeah. Because when you're in crisis, it's hard to remember what to do. Mm-hmm. So if it's written down. Yep. Yeah, I have a personal favorite that you that you use that I think is one of the most effective things we ever figured out. Oh. Do you know what that is? Yeah. I th- is it yeah. I th- <laughs> <laughs> I think we're thinking about the same thing, okay. but um yeah, talking it's kind of a weird one, but if I just like if I'm having if I'm really anxious and I'm just kind of in a tizzy or whatever, if I just kind of like say out loud to my brain and I say brain yep (laughs) i hear you i know that you're anxious about this you know whatever like i recognize that but i need you to like (laughs) calm down i'm okay i need you to calm down like just talking to my brain out loud out loud (laughs) she laughed (laughs) she laughed so hard the first time i did that with her she's like talk to your brain like just tell it to stop i'm like (laughs) what (coughs) and so i and so i did and it was weird it was kind of like just pretending like I was talking to a piece of, you know, like, <laughs> it's kind of... It was counterintuitive in some ways. Like, yeah. it fell off. But then once you did it, you were like, oh, okay. Well, it almost kind of instantly removed the yeah the noise. It was fun. It's uh, it's my favorite one. Yeah. Every time you get worked up, I'm like, did you talk to your brain about that? <laughs> did you talk to your brain about that? <laughs> I know, I, I know it's a very, like, it's not like a common one that people really talk about, but it's been effective to me, affected for, the effective for me, and so I think that whatever you need to get through your... <laughs> well, and, and some of the stuff I, I want to put out there, some of the stuff is not stuff that, like, professionals have told us to do. Yeah. Some of this is just trial and error and just like, okay, what else can we try? Does yeah. it make a difference or does it not? Um I'm sure it's different for everybody. I don't know if you're going to be sharing your tools with yeah. with your folks um but yeah. your fans. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm planning on doing a little yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I won't derail your thought process then. Sorry. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> um so yeah, so how then, how has it affected my family life and like that, because I know we struggled for a long time, because I mean, you guys lived with me, yeah. <laughs> and so it's not like my friends or people at school or whatever who, you know, kind of were there. You guys kind of had to do with me mm-hmm. and kind of had to be around me all the time because, you know, you're my family and we live together and mm-hmm. it's just kind of... 
you know, her life. So from a very, very, very young age, um, like like I said, when you very first were having trouble with your visits with dad and we started seeing some of that major kind of reaction come through. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that the therapist did say to me is that we need to make sure things are as consistent as possible. So the way I had to change my parenting was completely different. So that meant like every single month sitting down at the calendar together, writing down the days you had with dad, any events that were coming up. We color coded them. We talked about them. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was a big event. Mm-hmm. So that way I remember we'd sit on the floor, very, yes. we would get the get the markers for our calendar out, and we would mm-hmm. you know sit down and because do... you couldn't read yet, so a lot of times we just have to draw pictures or put a letter, yeah, so that you could kind of look at it mm-hmm. and and feel like you knew what was going on. Um, there was uh, so bedtime routines were very very consistent. We did the same. We did it the same way every time. Uh, dinner time was pretty consistent. Our wake up times were very consistent. So the the things we did in our home were very kind of cookie cutter. Yeah. I mean, there was always some flexibility, but yeah. but um, that really helped you at a young age. Yeah. Settle that down as you got older, and we diagnosed it, and it started, um, you know. Yeah. Manifesting more. I know. Well, I know that even Kayla, uh, my sister, like <clears throat> she would, it would be hard for her too because she wouldn't want to play with me or, you know. Yeah. Because her personality is yeah. one of those people. It's like, I if you're being in my face, I don't like it. Yeah. So it created a lot of like contention and tension between you two a lot of times. Yeah. She had to learn how to be patient with you and you had to learn how to respect calm yeah. yourself a little bit and be around her in ways that worked for you both. You shared a room. Yeah. So so bedtimes was always a challenge. Do everything on my own. Like I have my own little quirks that I mean you a lot of things you probably don't know about that I do mm-hmm. just in my own life to <laughs> you know, um, keep my anxiety out of you know, just that I've uh-huh in my schedule and my you know whatever my routines and things like that I mean I've I've always been a person I don't know if it's my anxiety I just kind of like routines uh-huh. you know like my morning routine my nighttime routine yeah I, I know this my, about yeah, you. you know I take my shower the and, way you do it all you know? mm-hmm. and um I mean I don't know if that's just me or my anxiety maybe both but um <laughs> Well, I think it's all just part of yeah, one it's beautiful just package. Part of, it's just yeah, you. Just part of me. So either way. Either way, <laughs> it works. And um, I I yeah. would say that I think it um, has been hard on Kayla mm-hmm. to kind of take the back seat a lot of times yeah. out of necessity. Um, so it has been nice the older you've gotten and been mm-hmm. able to manage some of it on your own a little bit more. Where I don't have to rely on you, like, nearly as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, I, it's been, it's been an interesting process, that's for sure. Yeah. But you've come a long ways, and, um, I'm immensely proud of the effort you put into it, and, and honestly... It's been a really great learning tool for me as well, mm-hmm. especially since I've, you know, been diagnosed and I'm treating myself, yeah. not treating myself, but I'm being treated. Yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> well, I do, you, you do kind of treat yeah. yourself. Um, anyways, it's it helped me to be like, oh, well, here's some tools or, oh, mm-hmm. recognize those things in myself too. So, 
yeah, that's kind of how, uh, I was, how has having anxiety help, or how has having your, how has your anxiety helped me through this, like helped, you know? Yeah. So I think more than anything, it's given me greater compassion Mm -hmm. because definitely I was very frustrated at first. Like, why can't you just get this? (laughs) Why do you keep freaking out about weird stuff? You know, or why do you act this way when I I just, I didn't understand. And so recognizing those things in me has helped me to have greater compassion and patience with you, with myself, with other people. I think Um, that's definitely having anxiety myself, um, helping Kayla through some of her mm -hmm. anxiety. Like I definitely have way more compassion and like, you know, I just want to help and anything that I can do to help her. Cause I remember being in that boat Uh and wanting to, you know, help her. So, well, I would also say that there's the point of advocacy too, that, you know, um, kind of, kind of going back to, um, how was I able to help you or, you know, part of, part of, part of approaching it as the way that I did was that I became an advocate for you, just like a parent with a child in a wheelchair would mm-hmm. say, Hey, your building needs a ramp. So my child can come in. I was able to be an advocate for you with teachers, with your friends, with your church, you know, your friend's parents, rather. I'd mm-hmm. like I went to your friends, yeah. but you know, I'd talk to the parents and say, Hey, if, if you notice these kinds of things, just mm-hmm. this is how you can handle it. Or if you have questions, let me know. Or, you know, your leaders at church or, you know, anybody new that kind of, you know, would make observations or I, or I would notice that you were maybe in, in their space, mm-hmm. you know, I could kind of explain, oh, she's, she has anxiety and this is kind of where she's at. And these are the things you can say or do to help her. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and, and so it really has helped me to become a better advocate for myself um, and to be that voice, that person that's like, we don't have to be ashamed to talk about this. We don't have to be ashamed to bring it up with our friends, with our family. We don't have to be ashamed to say, I take medication for a mental illness right now. I don't, mm. we don't have to be ashamed that we go to therapy, right? Th- these yeah. are all things that, that it's helped me to kind of blow the top off of that for us personally. And hopefully kind of that blazes a trail for other people. Other parents have come to me and we've talked about it and, and, you know, so just being able to encourage them and be like, we don't, we don't, this is not something to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's been a really valuable lesson, that advocacy part and to say, not only am I going to be an advocate for you, Brenna, but I'm going to teach you how to advocate for yourself. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. That's part of this podcast, which I think is awesome. And I hope that people feel empowered that, you know, yeah, there may be some, quirky things that come about from our anxiety and our mental health issues and things. But as we advocate for each other, then it's less scary. We're less alone. It's easier to deal with hard things when you have somebody to help you through it. Absolutely. Definitely. So it's one of the reasons I'm really excited that you're doing this, that hopefully people know that they've got at least the two of us on their team, right? If nobody else, we got you. Yep. (laughs) We understand, and it'll be okay. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on here, Mom. My pleasure. Yeah, I think that's a wrap on um, on this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed, and I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.